Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. It's Wednesday, September 29th, 2021. Imagine that you are looking for a new job. And so you're looking at different jobs, websites, trying to find something that would be a good fit. And one of the things you're no doubt going to look at is the benefits of each job. What is it offering? What is the compensation like? What is it going to give you as far as health care or health insurance, vacation time, all these other kind of things? What are the benefits? What are the perks of the job that you are looking for? But, of course, when looking for a job, those aren't the only things you can look at. You're also going to have to look at the job description and the job qualifications. You're going to have to make sure that you fit those in order to get those benefits that you want. Well, today we're going to look at a passage of Scripture that has some pretty amazing benefits, but it starts with some very important qualifications. And so let's look at Psalm 112 today, and let's all pray and seek to be the kind of person that gets the benefits that are listed in this passage. Uh, Let's just consider some of the benefits that are listed in Psalm 112, describing uh, this person. It says, his offspring will be mighty in the land. Wealth and riches are in his house. His righteousness endures forever. Uh, The righteous will never be moved. He will be remembered forever. He is not afraid of bad news. His heart is firm, trusting in the Lord. His heart is steady. He will not be afraid until he looks in triumph on his adversaries. Is that some, are those things you want? I, I think so, right? Wealth and riches, light, uh, not being afraid, having victory over your enemies, a steady, firm heart. Uh, Aren't those benefits in life that you want? I know I do. Well, what are the qualifications? That's the thing we need to ask. Verse 1 really helps us to see. It says, praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in his commandments. That's the banner. That's that's the qualification. Do you want all these other things? Well, the path to get there is being the kind of person who fears the Lord and who greatly delights in his commandments. Is that you today? Proverbs reminds us the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And I like to define the fear of the Lord in a a more functional way. But the fear of the Lord is really living life with a belief that shows God is real. God is the holy, awesome God that he is described to be in scripture. When people see his glory, they fall on their face. And God is watching, right? And, And living life with that awareness. So you live your life every day. Kind of realizing God is real, He is holy and awesome, and He's watching. He's watching every move that I make, and even as a believer, knowing He he sees my thoughts, He knows my heart, and I want to live to honor that, that God, because I know how awesome and holy He really is. 
And some want to remove completely the idea even of fear from the fear of the Lord, but that's kind of hard to do when it's the fear of the Lord. But we need to be reminded the fear of the Lord, even as it's described here, is such a healthy thing. The fear of the Lord is good. Look at what it leads to. I mean, here you clearly see the principle when you fear the Lord, you don't need to fear anything else. I mean, how many people, it says there that the righteous person, the one who fears the Lord, the one who greatly delights in his commandments, he is not afraid of bad news. How many people live their lives in a constant fear of bad news, constantly concerned about the next bad thing that is going to happen? That doesn't need to be the mindset or the disposition of the one who fears the Lord. That that person can have a steady, firm heart. And if you fear the Lord, you're going to do what it says next. You're going to greatly delight in his commandments. And that's something we're going to see even from one of our New Testament passages. For us as believers filled with the Spirit, that should be the cry of our hearts and our lives that we delight to keep his commandments, that we don't view the commandments of God as some onerous burden from some cranky deity, but we view them as a path to life because the fear of the Lord is good and his commandments are good and they're trying to keep us from evil that wants to destroy us. And his commandments want to lead us to all of the things described in this passage. It also describes this person uh, as upright in verse 4. He is gracious, merciful, and righteous. It is well with the man who deals generously and lends, who conducts his affairs with justice. So there's some more descriptors of this person. Um, There's a gentleness to the person that fears the Lord. They are gracious and merciful and generous. Is that the kind of person you are? And I want you to see even the connection between generosity and then the lack of fear. I mean, one of the things that keeps us from being generous is kind of the fear, oh, I don't have enough to be generous. I can't take care of this other person. I can't be generous to this person. Uh, I can't give to this ministry because I I need that for myself. But the one who fears the Lord and knows God's going to give me what I need, he is generous and God provides for those people. So I want you to consider both Uh, the qualifications and the benefits listed in Psalm 112 this morning. Are you really that kind of person that fears the Lord, that greatly delights in his commandments? And then as we are, we can rejoice in some of these benefits. I don't need to be afraid of bad news. My heart doesn't need to waver. It can be firm. It can be faithful. And I can trust even I'll look in triumph on my adversaries. And I need to stay focused on pleasing God. And I hope that encourages us. And even considering that heart that doesn't need to be afraid, let's look now at the example of Hezekiah as we look at Isaiah 37 through 39. And here again, it's this kind of historical interlude in the middle of these more prophetic passages throughout the book of Isaiah. And in chapters 37 through 39, it's going to recount some things. Again, you'll have seen these things in Kings and Chronicles. uh, But you remember when Sennacherib comes to Jerusalem and talks trash. That's what we saw yesterday in chapter 36. Well, today we see Hezekiah going to God for help. He goes to God's prophet, Isaiah. And then he also goes to God and and prays. And I love what it says in verse 14, Hezekiah received the letter from the hand of the messengers and read it. 
And Hezekiah went up to the house of the Lord and spread it before the Lord. And Hezekiah prayed to the Lord. I love even just that he takes this letter full of trash talk from, you know, ultimately the king of Assyria. And he even just lays the letter out before the Lord. Uh, Such a literal picture of casting your anxieties uh, before the Lord. And then look at his prayer. And Hezekiah prayed to the Lord, O Lord of hosts, God of Israel, enthroned above the cherubim, you are the God, you alone, of all the kingdoms of the earth. You have made heaven and earth. Incline your ear, O Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, O Lord, and see. And hear all the words of Sennacherib, which he has sent to mock the living God. Truly, O Lord, the kings of Assyria have laid waste all the nations and their lands, and have cast their gods into the fire. For they were no gods, but the work of men's hands, wood and stone. Therefore they were destroyed. So now, O Lord our God, save us from his hand, that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you alone are God. And this gives us a great template for our own prayers. You see even that fear of the Lord, I think, in how Hezekiah begins his prayer. Praying to God is enthroned on high, that he and he alone is God. And he brings his concerns to the Lord. Is that what you're doing? When you're frustrated by things going on in the world or when you're burdened by something that's going on in your life, do you take it to God? And do you remind yourself even as you pray of how high and holy and powerful God is and how small all of these problems are when compared to how great and awesome he is? And then you see the motive of Isaiah's prayer. Even at the end, he's asking for this deliverance so that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you alone are the Lord. Is that also the motive of your prayers? That you're really pouring out your heart to God because you want him to be honored? Or is it more just because you want yourself to look right or you want your own life to be easy? What's the motive of your prayers? So we see a great example there in Hezekiah. So, and then we see that God does deliver by striking down 185,000 of the camp of the Assyrians. God answers. And we have to understand that was a huge thing. This would have seemed so improbable. Or some of the things we pray for in our own lives can seem so improbable and so impossible. But nothing is impossible for God. Then we see another prayer of Hezekiah in chapter 38 as he prays to get better. Another good example. But then in chapter 39, we seem to see some pride from Hezekiah as he kind of shows off for these envoys of the king of Babylon. And then we'll get into back into the more prophetic parts of the book of Isaiah tomorrow. Next, let's move on to Luke chapter 22, verses 47 through 54. Now, this is interesting. If you're a part of Compass Bible Church, Treasure Valley, we just looked at... Uh, the passage in John that corresponds with this one. This is the betrayal and the arrest of Jesus. And so as we look at this, obviously John and Luke highlight some different things. Uh, Luke mentions the the kiss as Judas draws near to Jesus to kiss him. John doesn't mention that. They both mention uh, a disciple striking the servant of the high priest and cutting off his right ear. John tells us that it is uh, Peter who does that and Malchus is the name of the man. Uh, But what I want us to be reminded of, even in this, what we saw so clearly in the gospel of John is even in this situation, Jesus is 100% in control. That's really what we saw so clearly in John. And I want us to consider how that connects with uh, 
the end here in verse 52 and 53, when Jesus talks to them and he looks at all of these people that have come out against him. And he says, have you come out as against a robber with swords and clubs when I was with you day after day in the temple, but you did not lay hands on me, but this is your hour and the power of darkness. And so there in here, we we see really the evil of what is going on. What they are doing to Jesus here is evil. It's hypocritical. It's deceptive. They're afraid to do it in the open. So they're doing it uh, in the dead of night. And it's really the power of darkness. But when we put this together with the gospel of John, we're reminded that the power of darkness is still not more powerful than the sovereignty of God. Even though what they are doing represents evil, wicked schemes of man, Jesus is still in control. And I hope that encourages you. You don't need to be afraid today. Your heart can be firm, not afraid of bad news, because God is in control even over the powers of darkness. Now, we have a very brief reading in Hebrews chapter 8 today. And remember, yesterday we saw how he describes this new covenant as superior to the old covenant. And most of today is just a quote from the Old Testament about the new covenant from Jeremiah chapter 31. And just so as you read this, praise God, because this is you. You get to participate in this new covenant. And I think it really connects back to Psalm 112 that we we can't just look at, oh, there's no way I could greatly delight in God's commandments. Yes, you can, because as a part of the new covenant, this is what God has said. I will put my laws into their minds and write them on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wow, what an amazing thing. God is going to put his law on our hearts. So we can greatly delight in them. We can, because of Jesus and only because of Jesus, be the kind of people that meet those qualifications and therefore get to enjoy those benefits. So praise God for this new covenant. And even though we are unworthy, we can be made right, given new hearts. And as verse 12 says, he can be merciful toward our iniquities and he will remember our sins no more. Praise God for his mercy, because if we want those benefits, we have to realize without Christ, we would never meet the qualifications. But because of his forgiveness, his justification and imputed righteousness, and because of the spirit and the law now at work within our hearts, God is making us those people who meet those qualifications and therefore can enjoy those benefits. Thanks for digging into God's word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out revivalfromthebible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to compassbible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.